Welcome to the Memory Hole Show, where we talk about controversial ideas, unacceptable views, and pry through the madness. I'm your host, Brian. You'll have to forgive me this week. I seem to have picked up a cold, and my voice is a little bit wonky. Anyways, I just got back from Connecticut for one of my uh, uncles. He had his 80th birthday party. It was nice to see my American relatives for the first time since the COVID restrictions. And as an unvaxxed Canadian, I can say that going over the border in either direction was very smooth and without incident, no questions, no hassles about COVID at all. Okay, so in other news, I am humbled and honored that my podcast following is really starting to grow. So thanks for that, everybody. I really appreciate the support. Keep doing what you're doing. It seems to be working. You know, when I created this podcast, I really wanted to put out ideas that you would find interesting, that would make you think, a little bit of philosophy mixed with the current goings-on of society. Anyways, I know I'm not always right. Nobody really ever is, but it's nice to be able to have a different perspective to the mainstream narrative. Okay, so two episodes ago, I spoke about the sinister WEF predictions, which sounded more like a really bad promise. And last week, I spoke about the 10 planks that Karl Marx had proposed to organize society in a way that he thought would be best. Okay, so this week, I'm going to talk about Agenda 2030 or Agenda 30, or it used to be called, I think, Agenda 2015 or 2016 or something like that. And that's the global push for countries to adopt and conform to the UN's vision of how things should be. So without further ado, let's get into it. In writing this episode, I was reminded of the idiom, you can't see the forest for the trees. I speak often about how tyranny perfects itself via iterations over time. Starting out with ideas like Karl Marx's 10 planks to today's WEF you'll own nothing predictions, if you're only looking at the little pieces, it's easy to miss the big picture. That's why we need to look at the forest and not just the trees, especially with proposals like the United Nations Agenda 2030. The UN Agenda 2030 is a list of goals that many countries around the world have signed up to to impose onto their populations. And a lot of them sound great and positive. Using typical crafty framing, this list of 17 goals sounds benign. Who wouldn't want to end hunger and poverty and push for safety and peace? The question is, as always, how do you go about doing that? We've seen two general ways of doing that in the past. One way is where an entity, like a government usually, drives that change using force or coercion. The other way is where people are free to make adjustments to their lives and habits after gathering information or having been persuaded. Now, the first model usually produces faster results at the expense of freedom and dignity. The second model, however, tends to be slower but preserves freedom and dignity. Now, there's a full list here linked in the show notes at memoryholeshow.com but let's have a look at some of those 17 items on the list. The first few items overlap a little bit and seem to be noble. Goal one, end poverty in all its forms everywhere. Goal two, end hunger, achieve food security and improve nutrition and promote sustainable agriculture. Goal three, ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all at all ages. Now, I think everyone would agree that ending poverty, hunger, and ensuring healthy lives is a good thing. The big question, as I said earlier, is how do you do that? Let's look at the USSR and the communist socialist model. 
Now I say socialist because technically communism only exists on paper. Marx himself wrote about how a classless society is the true form of communism. The function of the state, according to him, is to keep the little guy down. So really, all the societies that are labeled as communists have a state and have classes, so technically they shouldn't really be labeled as communist. They're really actually socialist. Anyways, in reality, hierarchies will always form when you put people together. And it's not necessarily sinister either. People are just different. They're all motivated by different things. They have different desires and purposes. I myself am a rather busy person with no off switch. Other people, though, they may not want to get off the couch. So obviously we will end up different. Now, getting back to the USSR and its socialist model, many millions of people starved to death due to the overt centralized control exerted onto the populace. An easy example during this socialist rule is the Soviet famine of 1930 to 1933. You can check out the link in the show notes. The variants of communist socialist implementations throughout the 20th century generally all ended up the same. High death counts and no freedom. Now contrast the communist socialist model of coercion to capitalism. You know, that evil model that exploits the earth and where some people end up more rich than others. Oh, and in that model, people interact and trade voluntarily to the benefit of both parties. Now, I will note here that most of what we are told that is capitalistic today is really cronyism, which is not capitalism. In countries like China and India, where the government loosens its control over the economy, allowing for a limited but slightly more free market, poverty drops significantly. This is partly because of the knowledge problem. As I've said before, when dealing with resources, the people that make up a centralized government, which are few in number, well, guess what? They'll never have more knowledge than the sum of the entire population. When dealing with resource management, for example, price, which in a free market is the embedded knowledge of all the transactions people make, well, that determines the proper value of those resources and how they should be used. That knowledge disappears when someone dictates from the top down. Now, when the UN says their goal is to eliminate poverty, hunger, and ensure healthy lives, how it intends to achieve this is the most important detail that they're leaving out. Are they talking about top-down coercive models or a free market-styled solution? If it were a free market-styled solution, we wouldn't need the UN telling us what their goals are, would we? Next, they talk about their sustainable goals. I know that sustainable sounds good and is all the buzz these days, but when I hear sustainable, I think fixed or static, as in no growth or imposed limits. If something keeps growing, then... By this definition, it's always implying that it's not sustainable. Now, think of global populations and resource usage. Take these two goals. Goal six, ensure availability and sustainable management of water and sanitation for all. Goal seven, ensure access to affordable, reliable, sustainable, and modern energy for all. Now, setting aside what they mean by modern, everything above hinges on how they plan on making this happen. These aren't really suggestions, but rather mandates. And I think by now, we are all aware of how governments can mandate their ideas over ours. So how exactly do you ensure the availability of water and sanitation for all? It's interesting, isn't it? Now, when we talk about energy use and sustainability, 
We know they don't want to use fossil fuels, which are still our best current solution to human flourishing, but clearly, without saying it outright, fossil fuels aren't the modern energy they're talking about. It's also interesting that their goal is modern energy rather than effective energy. Effective energy would lead to human flourishing, whereas modern energy may or may not. But this all begs the question, is human flourishing really their goal if they don't include fossil fuels into the equation? And what about nuclear, which is sustainable and carbon free? Think about it. With more energy generally come more humans. Up to a limit, of course, as societies become more rich, families tend to get smaller. But in that light, you could say that wealth would limit the population growth. So why then do many of the global tyranny outfits want to make life less prosperous for people? Goal 12. Ensure sustainable consumption and production patterns. Goal 13. Take urgent action to combat climate change and its impacts. So who in this model gets to decide what sustainable consumption is? Well, I really doubt it will be you and I. Now, they're also promoting eating less meat and they've started to talk about eating bugs. They're actually building bug factories here in Ontario. Also, they're pushing for ice cars to not be sold after 2035. Then combine that with taking urgent action to combat climate change and the future starts to look pretty grim. But not because of the climate change, but because of what the government will do to us in trying to achieve that goal. They're already piloting digital IDs and digital currencies that will track and control your consumption habits, all in the name of whatever cause du jour. Today, it's climate change. Tomorrow, it could be something else. The common denominator in all their plans is always their control over us and our suffering. As I've mentioned before, there is no real measurable target for climate change. When will we know we've achieved our goals so that we can end the government-imposed constraints? Nothing they've done so far has lowered CO2. But what has gone down is the money in our wallets. But instead of admitting defeat, they want to double down continuously. And I guess if enough people starve to death and the population goes down, then perhaps CO2 would go down. But is that the price the elites are really willing to pay? I mean, a price paid with in our lives? Actually, I guess you can see how that's an easy decision for them. Okay. Goal 16. Promote peaceful and inclusive societies for sustainable development, provide access to justice for all, and build effective, accountable, and inclusive institutions at all levels. Now again, the framing makes this sound great. To disagree with this statement would imply that you are pro-war, a racist, a destroyer of the earth, hate justice and accountability. No one with a reasonable brain would agree with that. The problem is that it's them forcing us with systems like digital IDs and CBDCs and forcing our habits and lifestyles to what they believe is okay. Now I've had this discussion many times with different people. It starts out with the other person saying that if they were in charge, things would be better. They would force people to adopt their great ideas because, well, you know, they know what's best. At which time I remind those people that I myself wouldn't try to do that because I can't ever possibly know enough to force others into my way of thinking. But I will try to persuade people into my way of thinking. And one of two things will happen. Either my ideas will fall short or the other person will see value in my ideas. So if my idea falls short, I can update it or abandon it. 
And if my idea is persuasive enough, the person might adopt that idea. The big benefit is that force or coercion is not needed. And that's the way it should be. Thanks again for putting up with my messed up voice and my Darth Vader breathing this week. Now, I tried to add relevant links to supporting articles in the show notes, so check them out at memoryholeshow.com. And don't forget to click the like button at the very bottom of the show notes. And again, thanks a million for listening and supporting the show. You've helped grow the show and given me motivation to continue putting out these ideas every week. For a while, it seemed like these ideas weren't reaching anyone. Anyways, as always, you can always find me on Twitter as well at Memory Hall Show. Please do me a solid and like and share the episode show notes. I try to pin them in Twitter so they're easy to find. Now, wherever you jump in, join the conversation and unsilence yourselves. And don't forget, speak up or you'll get memory hold. All content from MemoryHoleShow.com and The Memory Hole Show is for the purpose of entertainment and is presented solely as opinion.